Ooh-wee, it's Friday. Whew. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have had a week, and I am glad that uh, we're at the end of it. I'm thankful God is good, uh, but yeah, it's been a long, uh, it's, it's been a busy one for me. I hope it's been a good one for you, and I'm glad that we finish it up here in the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, I love this. I love this so much. Ephesians chapter 2 explains, you know, what you are and why you are a Christian. And it's all because of what God has done for you. But it's, oh, so good. I'm glad we get to do it together. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. Did I say any of that? Did I say that I love you and I'm glad you're with me? Uh, I hope you know Jesus. I hope that Ephesians chapter 2 tells your story. Because if it doesn't, let me tell you what, what Jesus wants to do for you. First, once you were dead. Uh, gosh, those are powerful words, but so hard to understand. Once you were dead, Paul's talking to believers. So he's trying to help us understand what happened to us. And the first thing you have to recognize is that you were dead. Um, uh, he's not using that word in a figurative way, it, it, but, but he's not talking about physical death either. And this is what's hard for us. Death is not just physical, it's also spiritual. And so when we think of death, we think of death almost entirely in physical terms. You know, our fear of death is this fear of physical death. I don't want this body to die, you know. But that's just one dimension of death, and it's not even the most devastating type of death. There is a spiritual death, and all of us born sinners understand we were dead, spiritually dead. And, and again, not speaking in some sort of figurative sense, that death was real. The problem is, since you never knew any different, if it was normal, it, it feels normal. And, and that's the problem with the world these days. Everybody you know that doesn't know Jesus, they're spiritually dead, but they don't know that they're dead. They don't know any different. And, and so, so how would you even know? You know how, how would a person know that they're dead like this? Well, Paul says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we're subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. That, those verses right there describe lostness, you know, in its entirety. Um, that death, how does it affect us? Well, first off, most people don't know that they're dead, but but most lost people, they still, if they're honest, have this, this sense of there's something not right in me. Now, in the old days, you know, we talked a lot about guilt, and, and people often struggle with the guilt of their sin, but that's because they grew up uh, with some exposure to the gospel, some exposure to the teachings of the church, to the Bible. And so they often had this sense of what they're supposed to be doing, that grandma would be really disappointed in me. But that's not the world we live in anymore. And I don't think most people struggle with guilt, at least not. Uh, they don't know that's what they're struggling with. I think people struggle more with shame, um, but they don't even use that language so much uh, I think in, in our culture, the United States, it's, it's, there's a lot of boredom, uh, never satisfied, all, always discontent. Um, again, that deep sense that there's something wrong with me, this need that we have to be constantly entertained, this fear that we have of, of being alone with ourselves or, or alone with our own silence. You know, 
people have to have noise all the time because they don't like the thoughts inside their own head. They don't want to hear their own voice. You know, they can't fall asleep because they don't like that feeling of getting still. You know, again, it's just that, uh, I think the word is ennui, that, that inability to be content, that something's off, but you don't even have a language for it. You, you know, that, that that's lostness. But beyond that, according to Paul, there is a spiritual dimension to everything. It's not just the, the deadness in you. There is a spiritual, a real spiritual dimension. You have God, of course, but you have the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And so there's this entire unseen world, but you're oblivious to it because spiritually you're dead. You don't have the capacity to register or respond to that spiritual word. That doesn't mean that the devil doesn't have a heyday with your life, but the devil's like a, a, a bill collector. Uh, he'd love to take it all, but he'll take what he can get. So the devil would love for you to hate everybody, but he's happy if he can just get you to hate somebody, one person. He would love to, you know, just ruin your life. He'd, he'd kill you if he could, but he's happy, you know, just to steal all your joy. You, you know what I mean? He's like a bill collector in that sense. He'll take what he can steal from you. And and for the most part, you, you don't even acknowledge or know that you have that enemy. And so, you know, he just has victory in your life every single day and you don't know it. On top of that, Paul says, as, as a lost person, as a dead, spiritually dead person, you're subject to God's wrath. That's the part that a lot of people don't understand because they think of God as only a God of love and God is a God of love. But there is this part of love that requires that love be fiercely opposed to anything that would threaten, you know, the the object of love. You, you ever seen a, a, a mama hen, you know, or a or a she bear, a mama bear, or for that matter, just a redneck mama and somebody, you know, crossed her kid, like school teacher, you know, gave her kid a D minus, and she down there at the school cussing everybody. You know what I mean? This is like this ferocious love that protects the the object of its love, and 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 in a sense, God is like that. God is fiercely opposed to anything that contradicts or threatens the integrity of his love and 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 that is sin you know sin itself is the contradiction of God's love the, it's the opposition of God's love and and, and 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 there's a part of you that knows this even as a lost person you I talk to lost people all the time they're like well why is there so much suffering in the world why doesn't God do something you know there's this sense that if there's a God of love he should be doing something about the war and the cruelty and the evil in the world and I'm with you it's just the problem is what you don't understand is you're on the wrong side of that if God comes down to crush and vanquish all evil there's a lot of people that have already chosen sides and they're on the wrong side of of it and a whole lot of people would be destroyed in that. God, you know, wants to give people time to repent. God wants to give people time to get on the right side of this before he comes down and destroys evil. So, so there's God's wrath that is awaiting sinners. Uh, but verse four, verse four is so beautiful, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we've been saved. These verses about grace, I love it. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. We just prayed that yesterday in the prayer in verse one. Raised us from the dead along with Christ. Seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages of examples of the 
incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. It's grace and kindness. You were saved not because you're good, but because God is good. It's his grace, his kindness, his mercy. Nothing you could do to earn it. You know, I, I can say that. I can praise God for his grace that saves me, but I don't, I still don't respond well to grace. Um, like you say, Pastor Tim, I want to take you to lunch. I'll say, I would love for you to take me lunch, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to bring money. It's not that I don't trust you. I just don't know, you know, if I heard you right, maybe you said you're going to buy, but then you aren't going to buy, or maybe your credit card won't work and I'm going to have to buy. You know what I mean? Like, I always still come prepared to pay my own way. And there's something, even in salvation, some of us, God promises it's just by grace, but we still think that we're going to pay our own way. So we try to be as good as we can be. And, and my goodness has nothing to do with it, you know? It's his grace, his goodness. He saves us because he's, because he's good, because he's gracious, because he shows us mercy. You were dead. I was dead. You know, what can a dead person do to bring themselves back to life? Nothing. You need a savior. You need a life giver. And I'm telling you, only God can do that for you. Only grace only God. Verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, memory verses of mine. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. I'm from the King James. Uh, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That's a New Living Translation. Uh, oh my goodness, I just love that. Uh, only by grace. It's just grace, 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 grace. Uh, you're not earning it by being a good church member, by being a good neighbor, by being a good person, a good woman, a good man. Oh, it's only by God's grace. We're not good. That goodness isn't in us. For we are God's masterpiece. I love that New Living Translation. You're God's masterpiece. Uh, I think the old King James says you're his workmanship. The bottom line is you are what he makes you to be. You know, you are what he makes you to be. And he created this anew in, in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there's the works part, you know. There's the works part. Works aren't a way that we earn salvation, but grace gives us a purpose, you know. And God's at work in the world. God's busy. And when he saves us by his grace, not because of anything I've done, but once he saves me, then he puts me to work doing his work, his work in the world. And I'm not earning anything. It's just what grace does. You know, it just, it instills this response of gratitude and it gives my life this new purpose and, and, and following his plan. And uh, I, I love that, man. That's a whole lot for somebody that used to be dead, right? Once you were dead, but God is so rich in mercy. He gave us life. I love that so much. Praise God. Like I said, if you're a Christian, that's your story. If you're not a Christian, this could be your story. Oh, you may still be dead in your sins, but Christ Jesus will bring you to life if you believe. All you got to do is believe and put your faith in him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I love that. We'll pick up right here Monday morning, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Monday morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Listen, if you don't have a church home, Woodburn Baptist Church, we'd love to have you this Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. I'm preaching a series called Powered by Prayer. And uh, on Sunday, we're talking specifically about evangelistic prayer and what it means when Jesus tells us to pray for laborers, pray for workers, and that's what we're going to do on Sunday. So listen, have a great weekend. If I don't see you on Sunday, I will see you, Lord willing, Monday morning, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. I love you guys so much. I'll see you Monday.